Today, we are beginning a, uh, a final sermon, sermon series that I'll be sharing with you today and next Sunday, and next Sunday being uh, Suzanne for, for Suzanne and me, our last Sunday here at Calvary, but it's been a delight and what a blessing for us. As I've been recounting this, uh, this week and especially our, our months here with you, I, I've really focused on our highlights that we've had here at, this, at the church. Uh, one of the highlights of those probably three that stick out in my mind, has been just the opportunity to get to know you personally. We said when we first came that we're here for a short time, but we really want to engage together and get to know you as people, as individuals. And we want you to know that's been a highlight of our time. Thank you for reaching out to us. And you continue to do that. Even this last week, we spent some time, some first time with some new friends and new people in the church. And it's just been a delight. You've welcomed us as friends and family. And we are deeply thankful for that. We want to leave a piece of our heart here, and we very much will do that. And so it's been a pleasure. But also the opportunity for us to get to know what God's doing here in the city, in Sao Paulo. We've taken uh, one day for numerous weeks, and we would go, and we want to experience some of the ministries in the city. And that's been a real joy for us to see what God's doing in various places of the city, in various ministries. In fact, it's a surprise today, a couple of the ministries, uh, leaders of the ministries are here today at Calvary to join with us, and we appreciate that with the Romanos and the Motas, and it's nice to, to have you here, and we're so thankful for what God's doing and for the opportunity for Calvary to be engaged in that and to give and to pray and to know that. And we look forward to continuing a relationship personally with some of the ministries that we've been engaged with and seen here in the city. And then thirdly, it's been a great joy to walk closely with some of you in your own uh, journey spiritually. Some of you, God's given us the opportunity to be engaged with as you've come to know Christ and committed your life to Him. It's been a great joy to be a part of that, now to do some discipling with you. Others of you have shared your journey along the way, and we've prayed for you and walked with you and seen God continue to do work in your life, and that has brought joy to us and to our lives to share that together with you. So thank you for your friendship, for your warmth and welcoming us, embracing us with God's love and with your kindness. We are very positive about Calvary's future. That, as I said at the very beginning, we believe God's best is yet to come for Calvary and the church. And that's what I want to explore with you today and next Sunday in just these final two, two messages. In a, a little series I would call Great Transitions. I originally planned it for three weeks, but last Sunday we had a tremendous opportunity to share together in the baptism service, and that was beautiful to have so many, so many testify <clears throat> to Christ's reality <clears throat> in their lives. So today I want us to look, and then next Sunday, at just two transitions, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, of how God does transitions, times of change. Those happen to all of us. In our lives, it can happen in an organization, in a church, in a city, uh, where many places, these transitions that come to us, that we recognize they come, it's just part of life, but they're not always easy. They're not always welcome to us. We don't always embrace change. Uh, often we don't, unless it's change that's getting us out of a mess in life, something we can hardly wait to put in the rearview mirror behind us. But a lot of times changes come that we say, well, 
I just assumed that didn't change. I kind of like the way things are right now. And why does this have to change? But like it or not, life is full of changes. And we can't often choose our changes, but we can always choose how we respond to those changes. We can choose to embrace them and make something positive from them, or we can choose to reject them, to fight them, so they become a negative factor in our lives instead of something positive. And I'm sure in your personal journey, you can give, tell stories about those times of change in your life. Some of them that interrupted life in ways you never dreamed possible and never would have invited. You've experienced those as well. Maybe it's showing up to work one day and the boss said, oh, this will be your last day at work. We no longer need your services here. A change is coming. Or the change, that, uh, the announcement from a doctor brought to your life when he told you, he said, well, the tests show that you're pregnant and you weren't planning on that and that wasn't what you were thinking of. Or the change that came when you heard the words from someone who said, well, will you marry me? That change that comes to our lives. Or changes that sometimes are much more negative than those of an illness or the loss of a loved one. Who would have thought even in your own church here in Calvary that nine months ago you would hear the words from your beloved pastor that a change is coming, that he's leaving and moving on to a different ministry back in the United States. Calvary's going through a big change, not just the change of a pastor, but really the change of a pastoral era You've been led by a Fawcett family pastor, a father or son, for over 40 years, approaching 50 years. That's a huge change. A transition that maybe you would look back and say, God, we don't want that change. We, we want to stay where we were, comfortable and complete that way. But a change has come. How we navigate the changes of our lives has a lot to do with the success of life, doesn't it? I remember the words of a American writer, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, not in his goals, but in his transitions is a man great. How we navigate change and transition has a lot to do with our success in life. And as Suzanne and I prepare to leave Calvary shortly, and you prepare to continue through this transition of finding a new lead pastor, a new era of pastoral leadership that will come to the church, I want you to know that God doesn't leave you alone to figure that out on your own. He gives us principles from the Bible of how to go through times of change successfully so that we can know and experience that, yes, God's best is yet to come for us as a church. And I assure you, uh, that's God's intention. That's what he desires in our lives, and that's what he had desire, desires for the church as well. I was reminded of that in one of my favorite verses in the book of Jeremiah. These words in Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And well, those great promises of God, and we could list others, that God wants His mercies to new, be new, and God wants to do a new thing, and God wants to bring His best that's yet to come. 
all of those wonderful promises from the Bible, it's important to realize that those promises don't happen automatically. They won't take place regardless of what we do. They're not unconditional promises. They're conditioned upon our response as well. God will continue his work, but we can choose whether or not we want to be a part of it. Let me explain that a little bit more. You see, when a pastor leaves a church, nothing of God departs. It's only the man of God that leaves. God's work continues in people's lives, in that church, in that city, that community, that country. It's not even dependent. God's work isn't dependent upon one person or one church, but God wants to invite the church to continue to join with him in his good work. God's work wasn't even dependent upon Jesus remaining on earth. He didn't have to be here for the rest of time for God's work to continue. Remember what Jesus told his disciples? He said, it's important that I go away, that I leave so that God can do, the Father can do even greater works through you. That's the catch. That God's going to continue to do his work. But he chooses to do it through us. And we have the choice as followers of God If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the choice whether or not to participate in God's good work. He's going to do it, but will we be those who share in it? And even though God's desire for Calvary is that the best is yet to come, that isn't automatic as we go through this season of change. And so that's why in these final two talks, I want to discover from God's Word what it takes to navigate successfully these times of transition and change. God's word has a great insight for us in going through these times. And I want us to look at two transitions, two well-known transitions, one from the Old Testament and one next week from the New Testament, so we can gain for ourselves insight into some essential elements of how successful change takes place. And that's my prayer for Calvary that this current pastoral transition will bring God's best yet for Calvary in the next generation and the years to come so that truly the days, uh, the be- God's best days for this church are still ahead, not behind. That's the kind of God we serve, but it requires that we choose to join Him in that journey. And so today I want us to look at Um, one of the earliest transitions that uh, God took his people through. And God's an expert at transitions. He's been doing transitions since the beginning. He knows how to do them better than anyone, and he's giving us some insight as to how we can cooperate with him in these times of transitions. We find that in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Now, you may not have read in Deuteronomy recently, but probably haven't. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. It's the the last book of what's called the Pentateuch, the five books of the law. And so in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, that's where the story begins and kind of this transition. I'm not going to take time to read it to you today, but I would encourage you, maybe this afternoon, sit down and read that chapter, Deuteronomy 34. It's the story of a great transition, the passing of the baton like in a relay race. The passing of the baton 
of leadership from Moses to a guy named Joshua. And it's all described there in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy. You can read it later, but let me give you a little summary of what happened. You see, Moses, the great leader of Israel, has brought Israel right to the very edge of the promised land. That's the land that God promised to his people when he first called them with Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you a land, a promised land, the land of Palestine. I want to give that to you. That's where you will reside. That's where I will rule over you. But Israel had been in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. And the last 40 years, God had led them out of Egypt. And Moses was their leader, the greatest leader ever in the history of Israel. And so now the people, through Moses' leadership, have come to the edge of the promised land on the hills of Moab. They're looking across it. They see it. They even go out and and spy it out and say, yes, we can take it. But then God says, but Moses, you won't be the one to lead them into it. You will die here on the hills of Moab, overlooking the promised land. And in his eulogy of Moses, which God gave, God calls Moses the greatest leader in Israel's history. That's what God said about this man. And so Moses will die there on the land of Moab, overlooking the promised land. And the people will be left waiting for God's next leader to take them the final direction into the promised land. And that would be a man named Joshua. The passing of the baton. And so we read of that in the book of Joshua. And that's where we pick it up today, in Joshua, the opening chapter. We read this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Now picture yourself. You're Joshua. And those words come to you. I don't know if you can get the picture in your mind, but there's probably not a more terrifying message that Joshua or anyone ever received from God than that. those. Joshua gets this phone call from God. He says, and it says, God says, Joshua, I want you to be the next leader of Israel. I want you to follow the greatest leader of Israel who ever lived, Moses. And now I want you to take his place. I'll tell you, if I was Joshua, you know what my response would be? I would say, God, I think you dialed the wrong number. I think you, you pinged the wrong phone. There is no way I can do that. There's no way I can even be in the shadow of the greatest leader in history, Moses. And yet God said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to take Israel through this transition. I want you to be the, the next leader. If that's not a setup for failure, I don't know what is. Studies show that 
even in the best transitions in corporations, a new CEO or a new leader comes in or a new ministry leader or a new pastor, four out of 10 times, 40% of the time, that fails. The best is not yet to come. And so Joshua probably, if he didn't know those statistics, he knew in his mind that this wasn't for him. He says, God, I can't do that. And so God comes to him. And it's in this exchange between Joshua and God that we see the whole story begin to develop. And it's almost like, have you ever listened to a phone call, but you only, uh, it's not your call, but you're listening to some, a friend on the phone, but you're only listening to half the phone call? And so you're picking up what they're saying and you're trying to figure out what the other person's saying on the other end and you kind of get the picture of, oh, that's what's going on by what they're saying here and what they're not saying. You don't hear them saying, but you get an idea. That's kind of what we have here. We get God's side of the phone call, but we're not hearing Joshua's. But we can figure out what Joshua's saying by what God is saying. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 5, he continues on. God anticipates Joshua's objection. So God says in verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. God's anticipating Joshua's negative response. Like, God, I, I can't do that. God says, but you can. And Joshua says, no. And, and later on in verse 7, which we'll see, God says, be strong and courageous. You don't tell somebody to be strong and courageous who's feeling strong and courageous. You tell somebody that who's feeling great fear. And so as we listen to God's side of the conversation, we realize that Joshua is on the other side saying, I can't do this. You've got the wrong guy. There's no way... I can follow Moses and lead these people to experience the best that's yet to come. Well, God is in the business of doing transitions. and He knows what he's doing. And God knew that, yes, Joshua, you're right. You can't do this. This is bigger than you. You, you cannot do this on your own. So God gives him that promise. He says, Joshua... I will be with you. My presence, my power, my promises, they will be with you. And if you use those and you rely upon me, you can do this through my power. But if you don't, you'll be the biggest failure ever written into the story of the Bible. That's a good reminder for us, isn't it? When we go through transitions as well. Changes. God calls on us and says, I want you to do this. I want you to serve me there. I want you to take on this responsibility. We need to remind ourselves that God's in control of those things, not us. It depends upon his power and his presence. And certainly we have our responsibilities to fulfill. We don't just sit back and say, okay, let God do it. We have to step forward and make calls and prepare and train and all those things, do our part to the best of our ability but then we know that our part is fueled by a knowledge that ultimately we are dependent upon God. We're dependent upon His presence, His power, and His promises. 
As the Bishop Augustine once put it, he said, uh, we put these two together. He said, we pray as though everything depended upon God and we work as though everything depended upon us. That's what we put together. And that's what God is telling Joshua. Joshua, I'll be with you, but I want you to step forward and be the one I use in this. In the current transition here at Calvary, the deacons are doing their part, the pastoral search team. They've spent hours and they continue to of doing interviews and searching for the next lead pastor and praying that through. And uh, then our job is to pray for them, to work hard, to be involved, to be engaged as a church, to continue to be a, a healthy church, a growing church. And then we pray that God will put it all together and bring his best, the next leader for Calvary International Church, so that indeed God's best is yet to come. And so we rely upon God's power and his presence and his promises. But then there's a second element that God gives to Joshua here that we find in his instructions. It's also important for Calvary as we, we as a church move through this transition. We see that in verse 7. As I alluded to, he said, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again, on hearing only God's side of the conversation, we see that Joshua is filled with fear. God, I can't do this. And so God tells him twice. He says, Joshua, be strong. Be courageous. You can do it in my power, in my leadership. Fear can paralyze us, can't it? I've talked to people who've got said, I know God is calling me to do this or that or go there or release this to him or follow him and do that, and I just can't. I'm just frozen with fear because I don't know what that will look like. I don't know how my family will respond. I don't know what my friends will say. I don't know what that will do in my life. And so I just can't follow and obey God. There may be some of you here today that you're not yet a follower of Jesus, but you hear him calling you. You're here today because you want to learn more about him, but you just can't take that next step. What will my friends say? What will my family do if they hear that I'm now a follower of Jesus? What will happen in my life? Can I trust God with my career, my family? We've all been overcome by fear when we hear the call of God, haven't we? Whether it's following Jesus the first time or whether it's stepping forward and just doing what he asks us to do. We yesterday had a, a, an evangelism training about how to share our faith. and Some people said, would say, you know, I can't do that. I don't know all the answers. I, can't, I don't know how to share my faith. I just am filled with fear. And so they didn't come. We all know what fear looks like and feels like. And that's where Joshua is. And so God says to him, Joshua, let me tell you, I'm going to give you the resource 
in addition to my presence, my power, I'm going to give you a resource to get over your fear to obey me. And that is, he says, I want you to follow my word. I want you to know my word. I want you to study it. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to memorize it. And I want you to do it. When he tells Joshua to be strong and courageous and hold to the word, that word for courage is interesting. It means to be resolute, to be, to be focused, undistracted, purposeful, unwavering, to hold to the truth of God's word as the source of life itself. That's what God gives to us as his people. The power of the Bible, the truth of God. So that when we're not sure what to do, we're not sure which way to turn, we don't know how to do it, God says, follow the way of my word. Don't take your eyes off the goal. Don't turn, decide how to do it on your own. Find the principles in God's word and the teaching of God's word and follow those. You may remember that Joshua wasn't the only leader that needed that advice, to need to have his courage strengthened. Remember the great leader Moses at the very beginning of his life needed that same thing. When God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Do you remember his response? He said, you've got to be kidding me. Not me. Maybe my brother Aaron. He's eloquent. He's a strong leader. Not me. And God said, but Moses, I will be with you. And that's all you need. That's all you need is my presence and power. I remember when the Apostle Paul had a young friend named Timothy. And Paul left Timothy to be the pastor there in Ephesus in the New Testament. And evidently, again, only on one side of the phone conversation, but evidently Timothy said, there's no way. Who wants to follow the Apostle Paul to be the pastor? It's bad enough to follow Pastor Bill and Nathaniel, but nobody wants to follow Paul. Timothy said, not me. And Paul wrote to him, he said, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, of timidity. God's given us a spirit of power, of sound mind, and self-discipline. You can do it with the power of God in your life. And that's exactly what God says to Joshua. Joshua, I know you can't do it, but I'm going to give you the tools and the resource in my word to do that. My law, all you need to do is listen to it, follow it, meditate on it, memorize it, and then do it. You see, God's the first one who coined that phrase. It wasn't Nike. It wasn't Nike that said just do it. God said it. He said, listen, Joshua, learn it, listen to it, obey it, and do it. And you'll have success in everything you touch, in every place you go. And I will bless your work. It may not be easy. It won't always be in a straight line. But it will always be full of my blessing if you do it my way. The key to Joshua's success was to be rooted in God's word. You know, that's one of the great things that came out of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. Up until that time, for hundreds of years, the, the church owned the Bible. People didn't have Bibles. And so we had to come and have the priest or the pastor or the church tell us what to believe, what the Bible said. And the Reformation, under the leadership of Martin Luther, took that and said, no, the Bible belongs to the people. 
They can take God's word. They can read it. They can study it. They can meditate on it. They can memorize it. And they can do it. And still today, that's God's way. Take my word. Know it. Read it. Listen to it. And do it. I'll tell you, if you're wondering what direction to take in life, decisions to be made, find the principles and the precepts in God's word. And then pray for the courage to do them, to step forward and obey them. And your life will go in directions and experience blessings you never thought possible. It won't always be easy. It won't always look like a smooth road ahead, but it will always have God's blessing on it. That's his promise. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not easy. There's a big difference between those two. It takes a lot of fortitude, a lot of focus to do life God's way. But all you have to do to go through times of transition is to draw upon God's presence and his power and his promises. Know his word. Know the truth. And then do it. And see what God will do. And that's my prayer for Calvary. As we move forward and as you look to the next era of leadership, that you discover what God says in his word, what the church should be. And some things you'll love and they'll be easy and you'll agree with. And other things you'll say, wait, we, we can't do that. We can't look like that. We can't go there. And God will say, well, yes, you can. And if you do, the best is yet to come. If you make the changes that God's bringing you to make and go in the directions, God says, I will bring and pour out my blessing and refocus our courage so that we can experience God's best in the next era of Calvary's life. And I pray that for you as well. Maybe today that you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you say, I, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can entrust my life to him. I encourage you to take the, the step of courage and faith and say, yes, God, I will trust you. I'll see what you can do with my life and I'll receive your forgiveness and your hope in Jesus Christ. I'll receive the gift of eternal life for this life and the life to come and experience that you can trust God in his word and receiving Christ, his death on the cross on your behalf and the new life that he has for you as well. Let's bow together as we close. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word and the power it has in our lives, the relevance it has to life as we go through this season of transition as a church. Lord, I pray for Calvary that it will be a church that has a, a new boldness, a new courage to step forward and to see you do beyond what we could have ever asked or imagined here because of our radical obedience to what you're calling us to be and to do. And Lord, I pray for courage for leaders as they seek a new pastoral leader Courage to allow you to continue to move a church in a fresh and new direction. To bring a new wave of your power and of your blessing here. And then, Lord, across this auditorium, those who today maybe sit there and say, I need that in my own life. Take the step of obedience. To let it go and say, God, give me courage 
and boldness to follow you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.